uh, simulating a beer can opening uh, because I goofed and we don't have a beer of the week this week. Hi, welcome in to LOTL episode 195. I'm your host, Dan, and uh, yeah, no beer this week, I, although I could crack open one of the beers from last week, but I just forgot to pick one up. So uh, yeah, here again for another episode. Uh, real quick, just want to uh, say a quick thank you to everybody who reached out last week um, on the first episode of the new era of living off the land. I really appreciate it. The texts, the DMs, um, you know, just everything. Uh, it just, uh, you know, really uh, made me feel good to know that uh, you guys are still listening and uh, you guys are still paying attention to the podcast. So I appreciate it very much, uh, more than I can probably uh, explain. So. Thank you for that. Uh, tonight, I tweeted that we were going to have some guest hosts on the show tonight. Uh, I wrongly said plural. At the time I tweeted it, I said uh, that we were supposed to have a couple of guest hosts. Um, Brett Hoyer uh, had to bow out. Got some uh, uh, kids who are not feeling well um, today, so he had to attend to them. Obviously, that's perfectly fine. It's his family. Um, he was doing me a favor, so hope uh, hope the little ones uh, feel well soon, and uh, we'll get Brett on here in uh, the next couple weeks. So, but my co-host for the night, uh, you've heard him on our post-game shows uh, each and every week during the Brown season the last two years. Uh, he's also uh, been a guest on Living Off the Land many, many times uh, over the 190-plus episodes of the podcast. It is my best friend since we were six, seven years old. Steven Stefano is on the show tonight. Steven, how are we? Oh, I'm just dandy. It's been a crazy last three weeks for me. Um, this, I think, is the first time oh, I've been yeah. back since uh, yeah. a really, really Big event happened back on January 3rd, the yeah. birth of my lovely newborn daughter, Scarlett Ndolo Stefano. So, Good old Scarlett. Yes. Welcome to the world. And yes, first time we've had you on since then. I think we, uh, I think we announced that uh, you were about to become a dad. Now yes. you are a dad. And literally did we know because it happened the very next day. So I know. How crazy know. was that? Yeah. Um, so what's it been like the last couple of weeks? Uh, you know, the the first 10 days or so were, you know, you just kind of don't even really notice what, what's day and what's night because, you know, baby's going to, you know, got to feed every three hours, got to, you know, poops whenever she wants. You know, it's it's one of those deals. And, you know, God bless my wife, Oren. She, you know, she's, you know, I can't feed the mom. I mean, I, you can use formula, but we're not using much formula. So, you know, it's, it's pretty much on her to feed the baby. So... You know, the burden of it's fallen on her, but I, you know, pretty much all you can do as the guy is, you know, try to support as best you can, do all the other, you know, chores and stuff while she does that. And, you know, we've made it work and, you know, it's, it's, it's been a quite a journey already. And, uh, you know, the good thing about it is that with it being wintertime, mm -hmm. there's really not a big reason to go much of anywhere. Uh, there's not really a big reason to go outside or anything like that. You right. Know, there's, there's, and a lot of the family, uh, extended family who would want to see you right now are actually out of town. Some mm. of them are, are out in Arizona, some are in Florida. Mm. So, you know, we, we've just been kind of in a little bubble here. And that's yeah. with Omicron variant still, you know, kind of out there. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's probably for the best. So, 
Yeah. Well, yeah. obviously I've told you in person, uh, but congratulations. And uh, yeah, that's awesome. It's all good. So Steve is here uh, as uh, my host for the evening. Um, it's actually a good segue into our first segment, believe it or not. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of our first segment, well, actually, so like I said, no beer of the week this week. <laughs> I feel terrible. Uh, I think this is the first time. Well, we, did, we, did, we never did beers on the post-game show, so maybe subconsciously I'm just trying to make it as comfortable as possible for that. <laughs> that's what I'm going to go with. That's what I'm going to go with, not, not the fact that I just flat-out forgot. Um, so anyway, uh, if you want a beer suggestion and you didn't listen to last week's episode, go ahead and listen to episode 194. Uh, where I had a double hazy IPA from Market Garden that just came out called Cosmic Haze, uh, very very good beer. Uh, in fact, now that I'm now that I'm talking about it, I kind of want one, and there's still a couple in my fridge, so I might go grab one. But I don't. Know. <laughs> but anyway, uh, that was the beer of the week last week. Um, I'll get back to the beer of the week uh, next week for sure. So, without further ado, uh, we've got a new segment on the show. It's untitled as of yet. We have not come up with a creative name for it yet. Maybe we will uh, in coming weeks. But um, one of the things that uh, Steve wanted to do today was highlight one of Cleveland's um, neighborhoods and just kind of talk about it. And uh, he picked one for tonight, and let's go ahead and do it. Well, so. s- well seeing as this is living off the land, and I'm going to have to defer to the great Stephen Colbert on this one. He had a segment on his show for a long time called Better Know a District. I'm going to call this Better Know a Neighborhood. There you go. So, Won't you be my uh, neighbor? Today on Better Know So what we're going to do is we're going to just pick a random neighborhood in Cleveland um, a, on each show, and we're going to basically say what it is, you know, what is its geography, what, it, what you can find there, what's the main point of emphasis, what you might want to go see and do. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it's a little bit difficult right now because, again, it is, you know, pound me in the earth's winter time right now but uh you know you're not gonna be doing anything outside probably unless if you like you know building snowmen or you know ice skating or something but yeah. uh but so so for tonight i'm actually starting on cleveland's far southwest side um it's a it's a very prominent neighborhood called cam's corners cam's corners if you're not quite familiar with it is basically bounded in the north by i-90 in the south by i-480 near hopkins airport Love on Cam's the, Corners. On the west by the Cuyahoga River and on the east by the Red Line train line. So if you're just kind of inside that trapezoid there, that's pretty much uh, the bound of the neighborhood. And <coughs> this area has a lot to offer. It's it's a great residential neighborhood. It has great parkland along the Cuyahoga River. Uh, that whole reservation along Valley Parkway runs for miles and also includes one of the most heavily played golf courses in the state, that being Big Met. Uh, which big is, Met. Love which, Big Met. Like most Metro Parks golf courses, is phenomenal and is in almost always in great shape. As whenever there's Love not big a Met. flood, of course. Yeah, especially <laughs> at Big Met down in the valley. Sometimes in the spring, I mean, you, you just know. Last time it was actually summer that was the problem. We yeah, had the, so much rain in July. It was yeah. like I remember when. Just a quick segue here. I remember when I was playing one of our league rounds at Cossack Creek. It was on the first of July, and it was sunny that day. But we had so much rain in the three or four days before that. I got halfway down the first hole, and I was like, "Okay, I'm not just playing with waterlogged socks and shoes all day." I literally took my socks and shoes played barefoot, off, and I played the rest of the round, the rest eight and a half holes barefoot. Yeah, it's and one I, of those times where you need to play in waders. And I shot forty for that nine. So wow, it, you should it, just play barefoot. It, it, it didn't matter. It on. didn't matter. I, I did great. Um. But yeah, as as long as that's not a problem, yeah, yeah, Big Met is 
great track. Yeah. Absolutely great. Um, it also Cam's Corners also features maybe the best Irish pub in the city. Uh, I'd have to say so. PJ McIntyre's, mm. which is right at the corner of Rocky River Drive and Love Moraine Road. Yeah. Um, great Irish food, um, entertainment. They have live music there all the time. Lo- especially love it when Mary's Lane plays there. Uh, it's a great time. I would say go there on St. Patrick's Day, but oh my gosh, I don't even know how you'd be able to get in. Uh, I've been there a few times on St. Patty's Day. It's, is is it's, that right? Yeah, it's wild. It is wild. From from the moment they open till you know midnight going into the 18th. And St. Patrick's Day this year happens to be on a thirsty Thursday. Oh, so God. That is going to be a, a lot hell of, people, of a night. A lot of people are taking Friday off that week. I'm going to be driving my Lyft car that night for sure. Hey-o! Uh, Straight cash, homie. Yeah. Also, bounded within Cam's Corners, is actually one of the best pizzerias, I think, in the whole city. Maybe not quite on the level of an Il Rione or an, or a, um, oh, uh, an Angelo Mia's, but um, it's at the corner of Laverne Avenue and Rocky River Drive. It's right down the street from my good friends Trisha and Steve Webster. Shout out. Uh, it's called Athens Pizzeria. They're rated 4.7 stars on Google. Athens uh, is good stuff. This place, um, th- their thing is, um, their their crust is a little bit unique. It's it's like thin crust, but it's almost like rolled on the edges. Mm. You know, it's unlike what you'll find pretty much anywhere else. It's like, can you call it thin crust? Can you, it's like thin crust, but it's also chewy. It's 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 hmm. pretty unique. Interesting. So yeah, forty three forty one Rocky River Drive, Cleveland, uh, right in Cam's Corners. Uh, definitely worth it if you're passing through the area and you haven't had pizza in a while. Uh, not a lot more I can say about that, but yeah, definitely check them out if you get the chance. And I, I, I lastly, I'll also have to mention, you know, when it comes to, you know, what just happened, you know, three weeks ago, the birth of uh, my daughter, Scarlett, there are made three main birthing hospitals in Cleveland, um, at least within the Cleveland Clinic Health System. One is at the main campus. Uh, the second is Hillcrest Hospital over in the over in Mayfield, and then the third is Fairview Hospital, which is right on the border between uh, Cleveland and Fairview Park. It's Southwest as and, well. well Southwest, yeah, that, if you're talking about university hospitals, yes, Southwest is, is the main one on the west side in Middleburg Heights. That's where that I was, was act- born. That was at, yes, that was where I was born as well. Southwest! Um, but yeah, well, we went to Fairview with Scarlett, and uh, they, they did a fantabulous job with that. Um, we now know that Lorraine Road from North Olmstead all the way to uh, Camps Corners needs to be repaved because <laughs> as we were driving there at 4 in the morning on that Monday morning, every single bump we went over, uh, Rem was complaining vociferously. So maybe that'll be something ODOT gets, uh, gets on this summer. But, uh, yeah, shout out to all the great people, all the great doctors and nurses at Fairview Hospital. They did an incredible job. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think the only thing that I would add to that is uh, the um, local brewery that's in uh, Camp's Corner um, called Working Class. Uh, it's a place I frequent. We've had the beer on the show a bunch of times. Great little place um, in the uh, shopping center over there by Mark's. Um, it's a great, great place. Okay, yeah. yeah. Just kitty corner to, to PJ McIntyre's. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's the great thing about Cam's Corners. It's like you have that nice little hub there pretty much right along Lorraine and where it intersects Rocky River, just all within a, just a block or two walk pretty much. Yeah. You yeah. Know, yeah. It's, 
Yeah, and I used to live right over there. I, I mean, really, I lived walking distance from all those all those places uh, for about a year and a half. Um, yeah, you were just down the road in West Park, I believe. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So just right across the red line. Actually, you may not even been across the red line. You may have, you're pretty much right on the border between the two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a good time. I love Camp's Corner. Um, it's a great, great little place. Lots of bars there. Um, some good restaurants. Hatfields. Um, is also Cam's Corner. Um, we did an episode at, at Hatfields. They have great food, great food. That's on Lorraine, um, basically just across the street from the Chipotle um, over there. So that's a great place. Um, if you haven't been there, go to Hatfields and have the food. It's fan- it's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. So, all right. So what was that? What, what did you call it again? Better know your neighborhood. Better know a neighborhood. Better know a neighborhood on LOTL. So that's great. Cam's Corner. Check it out. Where will we go next time? Will we stay west? Might we go east, south? Eh. What about north? <laughs> north? Oh, Lake Erie? No. Toronto. Toronto. Okay. You already ready for that USA Canada match on Sunday? Yeah, we, Is that we can't. We can't on? go. We can't go to Canada. They won't let us in there. Well, that's a way to get your stadium full of your own fans. Don't even allow the opposing yeah. team to go there. <laughs> right. Ugh. Yeah. But anyway, okay, so that is uh, Better Know a Neighborhood on LOTL. So thanks, Steve. Appreciate that. Yep. Cool no- new segment on the show. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's let's get into some other topics that we're going to talk about. And, uh, yeah, so I, I, I said last week when previewing this, this, this past weekend's uh, NFL Divisional Games, this – this past weekend is my favorite weekend of football the entire year, is NFL Divisional Weekend. Agreed. Um, obviously, it, it lived up to the hype. We're going to talk about that uh, as far as like where that ranks, as far as, you know, was that the best weekend of football we've ever seen? Um, but Divisional divisional Weekend, for me, always has the best matchups, always has the best games. I mean, every game, what was it every was it every game was decided by... Well, every game was decided either a by a field goal or an overtime. Yeah, field goal or overtime. It's crazy. It's insane. Um, so let's go ahead and get right in it. Let's go chronologically. And the first game of the weekend was the Bengals and the Titans, correct? Yes. Yeah. It's easy to so, forget about that game because the other ones were so spectacular. Well, I wanted after. to forget about that game because I can't believe that the Cincinnati Bengals are going to the They're AFC going to the championship. AFC championship game. Honest to God. I can't believe The Browns it. beat twice. Oh, I hate that. That's the strangest thing for me because, like, you view other teams through the lens of your own team. So, like, yeah. the the first time we played – okay, I the, mean, sec- the, se- the second game didn't matter because yeah. it was the end of the season. But, like, the first time we played them down in, in, them. in their building, we killed them. Yep. So, like, I, I don't know. And and the only other time I saw Cincinnati all year until the, the Chiefs game in the second and final week was when they played Jacksonville and they needed a, a walk-off field goal to even beat the Jaguars. Yeah. So. Um. Another question I wanted to ask. I wanted to get your feedback on. Were the Tennessee Titans the most Fugazi number one seed of all time? I mean, I would say probably not. Um, but if you're asking me to come up with an alternative right away, I, I mean, is there I think I think maybe the the year the Steelers seed. were the first, were the top seed when Ben Roethlisberger was a rookie and they won like 13 games in a row. Like, yeah. I mean that that would be one of my thoughts. Um, but yeah, I, it's it's kind of hard to think about. 
Because, I mean, you, you look at all the other games, and you got uh, you look at all the other, other winners. Like, um, San Francisco went into Lambeau and beat Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen put on one of the best displays of quarterbacking we may have ever seen in a single game. Um, what was the other game? Why am I why am I blanking? The Tampa Rams game. Oh yeah, Tampa Rams. I mean that game was a blowout, and then the Rams just decide to start just start piddling the ball around everywhere, and the and the Bucks got in, and that was a that was a game between Matt Stafford and uh, Tom Brady. So Matt Stafford went into Tampa and beat Tom Brady. The Bengals, all they had to do was beat Ryan friggin' Tannehill, who was just who was just giving them the game by throwing three interceptions. He threw a, he threw an interception on the first play of the game. That's how you knew the way that that game was going. The first offensive snap of the game was an interception by Ryan Tannehill. The Titans are just built differently than the, a lot of these other teams. They are a run first and play defense kind of a team. Honestly, they're an old school team. In, in the way they construct and the way they win games. Honestly, it it's exactly what you just said. The reason why the Titans didn't win that game was turnovers. You know, you just you just can't be doing that. And especially uh, not with the game on the line. Turnovers yeah. and uh some of the most horrific situational play calling I've ever seen. I've been very critical of Kevin Stefanski this past year on his situational play calling. But when you have third and one and you have Derrick Henry on the field, and you run an option with Ryan Tannehill, and he keeps the ball. I mean, Derrick Henry had would have gotten that yard easily looking at that play if Tannehill had just given him the ball. You know, that's that's not even – if that's the case, then that's not even really bad play design. That's bad execution. Really, I mean, you could you could say, well, maybe the call wasn't so great, but like, just hand the ball off to him. I'm never a proponent of of running up the middle on third and one or fourth and one, but you, when you do it the best back in the NFL, you at least have to consider it. And then they did do it on fourth and one, and it got stuffed. Yeah, it was just, and then the and then the and then the interception at the end of the game. Oh my god. I mean, really, if you are a Titans fan, you're telling yourself, how in the world did we lose this game? And, you know, are the Bengals lucky to be where they are? As a hater of the Bengals, I'm I'm asking myself, how the hell did they lose that game? Yeah. And I, mean, I need it's to— It's not I like need, the Bengals did anything spectacular to win the game. And I, need to, and I need to say something. It's really annoying me to see how many Browns fans are rooting for the Bengals in the playoffs. It's really annoying. You just don't have the same hatred or, you know, just general miserly, miserable feeling toward Cincinnati like we do toward Pittsburgh or Baltimore. You know, and I think part of it also might be the fact that in a lot of the state of—I can't speak for Cleveland specifically, but for a lot of the state of Ohio, Ohio State kind of trumps everything else and throws everything into just a a blender. There's sort of— they're sort of rooting for the Bengals because of Joe Burrow, because he's from the state, because he was at Ohio State before he ended up going to LSU winning national championship. I don't care. I I think a lot has a lot to do with it. I don't I don't care the not reasoning. Not saying it's right, but that's I don't care the reasoning. I think it's stupid. And full disclosure, if Joe Burrow was playing for the 49ers and was doing this, 
I'd probably be one of those guys rooting for him. I, I like Joe Burrow. I have nothing against Joe Burrow. He's playing for a division rival. You don't root for division rivals. I'm sorry. You don't do it. And maybe part what of What the it. hell happens? What the hell happens if the, and, and, and we'll get to our predictions. I don't think there's a snowball's chance in hell the Bengals are going into Arrowhead and winning. But let's just say for the sake of argument, Joe Burrow goes into Arrowhead, wins, goes to the Super Bowl, wins the Super Bowl. You know who's going to be the most insufferable fan base in the entire world next year? <laughs> who day nation? And you know who's in the same state as us? Uh-huh. Who day nation? And you know who's guaranteed that we have, we have to play twice, once there, and then probably once here with a bunch of their fans buying up tickets because, you know, they're they're the they they would be the champs. Well, I mean, big whoop. I mean, we beat them twice this year anyway, so. Oh, I know, but it's just I'm I'm not re- I'm not ready to deal with that annoyance. I'm really not. I'm just not. And again, I like Joe Burrow. I think he's great. The first so the first time at the end of a game at First Energy Stadium where the the people who are left in the stands are chanting who day oh. will be that will be the first ever. Oh. I I'll believe that when I see it. Like the Steelers have done that many times. Like yeah. again, all throughout our time at we were going back to our college days at PG. This was around the first when Marvin Lewis was just, you know, getting started in Cincinnati. Cincinnati was just be, starting to become something, and they won the AFC North. I think our our freshman year of college or something like that. And the next year, like that, you don't need much to get Houday Nation going. Like they really think that like they are the, just the greatest thing ever when their team is even a little bit good. And I remember them Bengal fans having discussions with Steeler fans at the time, and the Steeler fans are just like. Who are you? We're winning Super Bowls. What, 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 who? Yeah. Who are you? <laughs> it was, it was you guys the funniest are si- thing. You guys are six and three. Okay. Like you won an AFC North title. Oh yeah. How many playoff games did you win? <laughs> yeah. So so that that's the thing about it. I'm not rooting against Joe Burrow. I like Joe Burrow. I think he's great. If he played for any team outside of the AFC North, I would. And he was in these playoffs. I I would probably be rooting for him. But he plays for the Bengals. I, I get it that we don't have as much of a, a hated rivalry with the Bengals as we do uh, the Steelers and the Ravens, but it's not that far off. At least for me, it's not. I hate the Bengals. I can't stand them. I think the situation would be a little bit different if the Browns had lost to the Bengals this year, and especially if like the loss on the final week kept us out of the playoffs. Oh, yeah, that's another like, thing. I, I think that... The fact that we beat them twice this year, Joe has, Burrow's has career against thinking the, like, yeah, no big deal. Joe Burrow's career against the Browns and Baker Mayfield, hmm. one and oh, six, oh and three, oh oh uh, Baker, yeah six and one. Baker's six and one. Joe Burrow and the Bengals are zero oh and three. <clears throat> Bengals zero oh and four, but Joe Burrow didn't play in that last game. Case so. Keenum has as many wins in that stretch as Joe Burrow does. Actually, has more. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, I am. Uh, I am not rooting for. Uh, for the Bengals. Cincinnati is into the Final Four for the first time in, oh gosh, since I was, like, wearing diapers. When I did think. they When did they last go to the – they went to the Super Bowl in 89? No. 90? I know they – I know for a When fact, did they go to the Super Bowl and get I know smacked for a by fact the 49ers? they went in 82 because that was the highest-rated Super Bowl ever. No, they went uh, – But there was another one after that. Didn't they that. lose it? Uh, I don't shoot. remember which – did they play the 49ers both times they got the Super Bowl? Because they were both in the 80s. Super Bowl 16 was the first one. I don't remember what the other one was. Okay, 88. 88 that Super, Super Bowl, Bowl 23. Yeah. January 22nd, 1989 at Joe Robbie Stadium in Miami. Um, but, yeah, so the Bengals move on. They beat the, the Tennessee Titans. And, uh, whew, boy, if you're a Titans fan, 
Uh, do you want Ryan Tannehill coming back next year? You know, they're almost in the same kind of situation that the Browns are in with Baker Mayfield. It's like, can you find something better? And if you can, can you get them without having to destroy either your salary cap or all your draft capital? Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's kind of difficult. Mm-hmm. And I, I, yeah, I get the feeling they're probably stuck with them. You, you know, chances are you're not going to be picking a quarterback at you know, 28 or yeah. you know, whatever it is. And this is not a good quarterback draft anyway. So, No, it's not. Not at yeah. all. Yeah, so I think they're pretty much stuck with them, at least for another season. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Um, so, yeah, the Bengals move on. The other, the, the late game on Saturday was the San Francisco 49ers going to uh, Lambeau Field, the frozen tundra of Lambeau. And they, I guess you could use the term shock the world. I mean, how many people had the 49ers yeah, winning that game? It was really a shock, and especially the way it happened because – so for for most of the game, Green Bay had a lead, but it was only a small lead. They weren't getting a whole lot done offensively, but they were getting done enough. Mm-hmm. The Niners screwed up in the red zone twice. They had got inside the 10 but got a penalty and then threw an interception at that point. The next time they were down there, they got two penalties, which set them back, and they had to kick a field goal. So you could make a case that San Francisco, if they would have just executed better in the red zone, they could have been ahead before that point. But it was, it really was to the point where midway through the fourth quarter, it looked like Green Bay was just like – it was a rope-a-dope game, to use a boxing analogy. It was boring. It was one of those UFC fights that was just going to go to a decision. And then all of a sudden, blocked punt. Tall. And Block, this, this blocked coming punt after a, for a touchdown. This coming after a blocked field goal at the end of the first half, which yeah, at the time we were thinking, okay, maybe that's not that significant a play, but it turned out to be yeah. huge. Yeah. Um. Imagine being, kicks. imagine being a Packer fan that night and then consequently the next couple of days since we're now three days out from that. You hosted that game. You had the weather advantage because it's Lambeau. You know how to play in the cold. You know 11 degrees, wind chill is zero. You, and especially if you're a defensive player on the Packers, you gave up six points. Yeah. And you lost. They did not give up an offensive touchdown. The Packers scored a touchdown on the first drive of the game. Looked like they were probably going to put up 30. And then scored three points the rest of the game. Three. They were shut out in the second half. They didn't score in the second half. That offense. Aaron freaking Rodgers. Devontae Adams. Aaron Jones. Nothing. Stugatz. Credit the Niners defense. Credit credit Nick Bosa. Credit you know Holy all, the, all those smokes. guys. Out Fred there. Warner. I mean, they they were awesome, and uh, especially in the second half. And what they did, you know, when you have a great defense, you're almost never out of a game. Even when you uh, even when your offense is doing bad, you're off. Your quarterback's throwing picks in the red zone. You know, yeah. it's a lot to overcome. But if you're if you have an elite defense, you, again, and this is why Tennessee was so good this year. You know, you're almost never out of a game in, in spite of your other deficiencies. Yeah. And then uh, sometimes all you need to do is, is just get a little lucky. And, you know, that's what Like handing happening. the ball off to Debo Samuel on third and seven and him getting a first down on it? Oh, you know. <laughs> I mean, Debo Samuel is an all-world talent. He's been incredible this season. He's the 49ers MVP, without a doubt. 
But when you hand the ball off on third and seven and you pick it up late in the game. I really think they wow. called that play just with the intent of, hey, we're probably going to get three or four yards. That'll just give us a little bit of an easier field goal. They probably weren't even thinking they were going to get the first down. Yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And, you know. This goes to show you when a team's healthy, you know, they're they're pretty good. You know, the Niners were in the Super Bowl two years ago. Yeah. You know, everybody forgets how, how, they're good, a game away. how close they were from being a world champion. They're a game away from being in two out of the last three, being the NFC representative in two out of the last three Super Bowls. Yeah. And the year in the middle last year was marred by probably the most injuries I've ever seen on an NFL roster. I mean, this year was the Ravens, but yeah, the year before that was the 49ers. Yeah. In terms of just getting absolutely crushed by injury. I mean, you think about it. You think about their playmakers. Bosa, out for the, got injured, out for the year. George Kittle, injured, out for the year. Uh, Jimmy G was hurt most of the year. Uh, Couple of their offensive linemen. Um, Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman, they had who you know glue factory anyway. But, but I mean, yeah, there there was several other guys, and those are just those are just some of the key guys. They missed a bunch of other guys, and I think Fred Warner got hurt last year too. I could be wrong, but you know, whatever. But they had a ton of injuries last year to keep their their best pass rusher, uh, their best receiving threat, and their quarterback were all hurt basically the entire year. So. And speaking of Jimmy G, um, I know a bunch of people say, "Ooh." I mean, to use the Browns analogy real quick, that's Baker Mayfield, that's Jarvis Landry, that's Miles Garrett, that's you know all those guys being out at once. And you think about it this year, uh, even though he played, uh, Baker was hurt the entire year. Yeah, Jarvis got hurt early in the year, missed a month, and was never the same after that. He wasn't. Uh, Miles Garrett's the only one that played all the way through. Yeah, yeah, and he had a groin injury the last few games of the year. But anyway. Yeah, so uh, everybody wants to, uh, oh, Jimmy G's in the NFC Championship game again, uh, blah, blah, blah. He was horrible in that game. He was terrible. Terrible. The, he didn't do anything to help them get to the NFC Championship game. And mm-hmm. the reason why I bring up Jimmy G is because a lot of people on on Twitter are suggesting that Jimmy G should be a quarterback the Browns look at next year and would be an upgrade over Baker Mayfield. Oh, my God. Stop it. Just stop. Please stop it. But anyway, that's that. We'll, we'll 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 talk about that a little bit after we get through uh, these games. So the forty. So we've got um, we've got half of the AFC piece and half of the NFC piece there, the Bengals and the 49ers. Let's move on to Sunday's games. Uh, the early game on Sunday was the Rams and the Bucks, and this game for about two and a half quarters looked like an absolute snooze fest. It looked like the Rams are just gonna you know, coast into the NFC championship game. And then their quarter and then their center snapped the ball past Matt Stafford and all hell absolutely broke loose in that game. So literally after I went fishtailing down York road at about five o'clock in the afternoon, I finally got over to your house early in the third quarter. And and you were saying, well, this game looks like it's over. And I said, Tom Brady's never out of a game. Sorry. That's true. I can confirm he did say that. Y- you know, and sure enough, the Rams are in a situation where they're in field goal range. They're up by 14. It's like, okay, there's really no reason they shouldn't score on this possession. And then, like, they just got in the strip sack, the, the play previous. And then all of a sudden, yep. you know, ball goes past Stafford, goes all the way back almost to midfield. Bucks get the ball. Bucks score. It's a game. And 
the Rams had so many chances to just throw the dagger in this game, and then yeah. they had another chance on a field goal, and I don't know how their kicker was <laughs> short from 47 yards. And it's not like we're talking about Green Bay or even Kansas City where it's cold. No, Tampa. Like Tampa what? with perfect field field conditions. That field was in immaculate shape. But like, you see that kick and it, and it's going. You're like, oh, it's right down the middle. It's good. Yeah. And then you see the refs give the no good sign. You're like, wait a minute. How long was that field goal? Double check. 47 yards. Wait. What? Your immediate thought is, well, wait a minute. Was that like tipped at the line of scrimmage or yeah, something? Yeah. Then they then they showed the replay, the snap, the hold, the kick. Everything looked fine. Yeah. I did. Did the kicker think it was only a, it was only a thirty-seven yard kick? I'm thinking, did they did they take the air out of the ball or something? <laughs> well, it is Tom Brady. <laughs> hey, um, yeah, I don't know. That's crazy. That was crazy to watch an NFL kicker leave a forty-seven yard field goal short. I mean, that's I've never seen that before. No. I've never seen that before. Not well, not in in clear weather. I haven't. No. You see him miss left. You see him miss right. You see him hit the up the left upright. You see him hit the right upright. Never have I ever seen a NFL kicker leave a forty seven yard field goal short in uh, ideal conditions. Never. I've never nope. seen it. Mm-mm. Never. That was insane. So that happens. And I mean, there was some bizarre that this this whole second half of this game was just flat out bizarre. There was even a, a play where it was a fourth down and it was an incomplete pass. Eric Weddle hits Mike Evans like a split second after the ball hits the ground. It's it's a late hit, but yet because the play was over, they'd said, "Oh well, now it's it's at the change of possession happened before the penalty, so the Rams actually got the ball." Um, had it not been for that stroke of bad luck, the Bucks may have actually you know tied the game up sooner than they did. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a rule that the competition committee is going to have to look at in the offseason. But, uh, yeah, you know. for sure. But ultimately, Tampa does go all the way down. They they come back. They tie the game. I mean, I, I'm not surprised watching any of this, quite frankly, although I guess I was a little shocked at how you called much the Rams it. tried I'm to I'm giving you the credit, it, yeah. You know, but in the end, the best players make great plays. Tom Brady makes plays. Uh our our boy Scotty Miller from BG was making plays all yep. through the second half of the game. Uh, Roll along, Scotty. But then, who was the top receiver in the NFL this year? Uh, that would be Cooper Cup. Yep. Drafted him uh, in the second round in fantasy this year and got a lot of what I would equate to side-eye for drafting him in the second round. But he basically almost set every NFL record for receiving. Could be one of the best fantasy picks we've ever seen in our league, quite Oh, frankly. thank you. Now, and because Kevin Stefanski didn't want to run Nick Chubb, I lost our fantasy football championship by three points. <laughs> you know, the, not to go off on a tangent here. <laughs> so, I'm a two-time winner in our league. I'm a four-time championship game uh, participant. Participant. I've lost those two championship games by a combined four points. Oh. You remember, I lost to Mike by one point. I can't remember what that year was it was. That was in 2009. Yeah. Because he beat me in the semifinal. I lost him by one point. And I lost this year by three points. Ouch. Four points. I missed two championships. I, the the uh, uh, three points cost me about 
three hundred fifty bucks in our pool. Casey Cherwin, back-to-back so, champion. Ugh. Only the second person to do that. Brendan Skaronski was the first. <gasps> anyway. Uh, yeah, so if we – if the Rams – let's say the Rams go on to win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Is that pass Matt Stafford threw to Cooper Cup his Hall of Fame moment? Well, unless if it comes uh, – an even greater moment comes in the Super Bowl. Oh, uh, well, yeah. Yeah, but – it. If the if it ends up being because, that there's not uh, one decisive play that wins right. the conference championship or the Super Bowl, that probably will be the play that gets rewound. Well, because I I, I say this because I wholeheartedly one hundred and fifty eight point six percent believe that if that throw is not connected and that game goes to overtime, the Bucks are playing. The Bucks the are going to win, championship game. especially if they get the coin toss, which yeah. we'll wow. talk <laughs> about. Which we'll talk about next. <laughs> The old uh, Matt Hasselbeck, we want the ball and we're gonna score. Oh, that's not even where I was going. With well, that, I know, okay. I know, but I'm I'm just I'm just uh, recalling uh, uh, overtime coin flips. Mm. But uh, yeah, I I uh, I'm a big Matt Stafford proponent. Um, you know, we talk about we talk a lot about because we're in Cleveland. We lament uh, the recent history of the Cleveland Browns. If you're from Detroit and you were for the Lions, it's just as bad. Worse. In fact, yeah, you could you could say it's just as worse. The only thing that you would have over the Browns is the fact that for a decade you had a legit franchise quarterback. Yeah. But if you if, if conversely you could look at it as and a Hall of Fame wide receiver. Conversely, you can look at it as we had a franchise quarterback and we didn't even want a playoff game with him. They went defense. to they went to the playoff once. Yeah, one time they they went to New Orleans. They got smoked. Uh, yeah, they, they they never had a defense, and arguably they had worse coaching in Detroit than we had in Cleveland. Yeah. I mean, it just goes to show you what ownership does to a franchise. So I've got a soft spot for Matt Stafford. I've always liked him. He's He seems like a great guy. Uh, everything he went through with his wife a few years ago when she had brain cancer. Oh, my God. And survived that. Um, and they were they were able to amicably split and get him to a contender in uh, – in the Rams, and he he's thriving. He had a couple rocky moments in the regular season where he had games where he threw like three three picks a couple times. He threw a decent amount of interceptions this year, but uh, the Rams for sure are not in the NFC Championship game this year without him. Um, Agreed. So I'm actually rooting for Matt Stafford to win the whole thing. I mean, I'm I'm to the point now, and we're going to talk. This is the last the, the last game we're about to transition into. Um, I'm to the point where I have Patrick Mahomes. Um, uh, what's the phrase? Mahomes I'm, and Auto. Sick of him. No, it's just State Farm. I have yeah. It's like it's like when uh, he's essentially the Steph Curry of the NFL. Uh, that's a really good analogy, actually. Um, you know, when he won the when he won the Super Bowl two years ago, everybody's like, Oh, oh Patrick Mahomes, blah blah blah. Yeah, he's great, it's great thing, blah, blah, blah. Now they're about to host their fourth straight AFC championship game. Which like no team has ever done no. pretty much. More than likely, they're about to go to their third straight Super Bowl. More than likely, yeah. Mahomes fatigue. That's the one that that's that's the phrase I'm looking for. Curry okay. fatigue. Uh the reason and and I got admittedly uh, and I'm sure you're the same way. I got Curry fatigue way quicker because we were playing him in every single championship game. It's not like we were rooting against him against some like you know team we didn't really care about. Yeah, it was always amusing to me during during those uh, Cavaliers Lebron 2.0 Finals runs 
you know, everybody's talking about Steph Curry this, Steph Curry that. Oh, I hate Steph Curry. I'm just like, he's like the – to me, he was like the maybe the third guy I would hate on the Warriors behind Draymond Green and Kevin Durant. Like, he just yeah. – he never rose to that level for me. I mean, yeah, he's great, but, like, Draymond Green's a total – jerk and Kevin Durant's a total punk ass who decided to you know <laughs> run away on a, a legit contender in the thunder and then you know join the Warriors he so, blew he blew a 3-1 lead to the team that he left to go to in free agency don't even get me started on that oh I mean that's worse than what LeBron did I mean and, and oh, LeBron way, did it way worse well not way not, worse not the way he did it the way LeBron did it was worse but the actual act of going to another team and you know he can laugh all the way to the bank because you know he won. He got tons of money. He won title in 2017, 2018, whatever. But like, yeah, yeah. You, you gave your balls away when you did that. Yeah. So anyway, uh, <laughs> um, I, I very much am a fan of Matt Stafford moving forward. I'm going to be rooting for him. Uh, I know it's it's a big market. It's L.A. I feel kind of dirty rooting for a big market, and especially rooting for an L.A. team to win a championship, but. I just like I just really like Matt Stafford, so I'll be rooting for him. Um, I don't have a huge amount of antipathy for LA. I mean, the, Antip- the Dodgers. There's your, the, there's your word of the, the day. The Dodgers just won the World Series. The, the Kings are not that far removed from a Stanley Cup, but like they're they're not like Boston, the where, where they're winning championships. And they have the Lakers too. I've, easy to forget about that one because that was coronavirus. But yeah, but yeah, um, Lakers have won six championships since 2000. Yeah, because they had the Kobe Shaq run, and then they had the the Kobe Powell, Kobe Powell run, and, uh, and then nine LeBron. and ten. Which real quick segue here: my biggest regret, honestly, of my entire Cleveland sporting life so far, was that the Cavs were not able to make it to the finals in 09 or ten yeah. to see a Kobe Lebron finals. The world deserved yep. to see that, and the only reason we didn't see that was because the Magic decided to just shoot the lights out in the 09 Eastern Finals. Yeah. Well, uh, as a small consolation, we did get the uh, LeBron Kobe puppet commercials. Those are pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, so yeah, back back to the game. Uh, now we're moving on to the final game: Kansas City hosting Buffalo. I mean, what can you say about this game? This was this was the game that we thought was going to be the dessert after the main course that was the Rams Bucks game. And it looked that way for about 57 minutes of the game until the last three minutes were craziest, just craziest ridiculously two, insane. Craziest two-minute stre- two stretch of football I've ever seen in my life. Patrick Mahomes threw for 177 yards after the two-minute warning. What? Yes. There are quarterbacks in the NFL who don't throw for 177 yards in a game. He did it in two minutes. Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> Some would say Baker Mayfield this year. <sighs> he didn't make the playoffs. Not true. Um, <laughs> it's just, there were t- the two teams combined, there were 25 points scored in the final two minutes of that game. 25. The over-under was 54. People were sweating that over-under until midway through that, until about a minute left. There were – what was the final score of that and game? that was absolutely, absolutely warranted because if Josh Allen doesn't find Gabriel Davis on that fourth down to give Buffalo the – I think it was the 29-26 lead, that, yeah, it, it, it would not have even made You want an even crazier stat? 
25 points scored in the final two minutes. 11 of those points in the final 13 seconds. Yeah, because you had the the Buffalo go ahead score with with 13 seconds left, and then they get the they get the two point conversion. The Chiefs come back and they only take three plays to to tie the game. Yeah, from the 25 yard line, and so late game situations. It, it's very interesting because Tampa and Buffalo went with completely different strategies. Tampa was actually rushing the quarterback when when the game was tied. They were feeling the momentum. They were going balls out for it. They. They made the mistake of leaving Cooper Cup in a you know single coverage with a safety. They obviously were not expecting a deep shot in that situation, but I don't know why they weren't. But you know, so so that didn't work. Buffalo goes with a completely opposite strategy. They drop everybody off by twenty yards. So what do the Chiefs do? They just dump it off over the middle and they get a twenty yard gain on yep. on first down. They call a timeout. Second play, they do the, almost the exact same thing. It's like. You know, hilar- you know what's hilarious? I watched a video today where Travis Kelsey called those two plays. He called like he called them. Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, they didn't call those plays. He said if they line up in this defense, Tyreek, just 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 come right right behind me. I'll block for you. We'll get we'll get twenty yards in the first play. That's exactly yeah. what happened. Yeah. And then, uh, according to the video, Buffalo ran the exact same defense the next play because it the, looked like the exact same defense because they went to the sidelines and Kelsey said if they line if they line up again the seam is wide open and then they so they they line up they notice it's the Pat Mahomes notices it's the same defense he yells at Kelsey do it Kelsey do it and he checks at the line yeah and they run a seam route and he gets in gets down to the thirty yard line and then and then the 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 of course the uh, Chiefs kicker miss makes the forty seven yard field goal. Yeah, they're missing a PAT and a field goal. And a field goal, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, that was that was the craziest uh, game. And then you get to overtime, and man, I don't know what the NFL does with the overtime rule. I go back and forth on it because yeah, it's a coin flip, but. Like all the people that are saying like both teams should have a right to touch the ball in overtime. If you lose the coin toss and you're on defense first, just get a stop. Right. The Chiefs I, I, I I know and I, I know and I understand that it's easier said than done against the Chiefs, but you're a Bills fan. Would you be saying that uh would, that both teams deserve to touch the ball in overtime if you had won the coin toss and you went down the field and scored a touchdown and won the game? No. No, the Chiefs have been on both sides of this because oh, absolutely. In, in the AFC title game three years ago, they were playing the Patriots. Patriots won the full coin toss. They went down and scored a touchdown. Chiefs didn't get a chance to touch the ball. Yeah. yeah so And that was even more heartbreaking because in regulation of that game, the Chiefs thought they had won the game. Yeah. But then got called for offsides. The guys <laughs> lined up offsides on what would have been oh. the game-winning interception. Oh, gosh. Um, But, yeah, so – it just goes to show you that probably a couple years down the road, the Buffalo Bills are going to find themselves in this situation again. It's probably going to benefit them, but like you just probably. said with the Chiefs. Yes. Um, but I, I, I feel for Josh Allen because there was literally nothing he did to lose that game, and in overtime he didn't get a chance just because of a, a, a coin toss. Yeah. That sucks because that guy played – one of the best games I've ever seen a quarterback play. Josh Allen was incredible, and a big shout-out to Gabriel Davis, too. I mean, <laughs> what a freaking game he that had. That route on that 4th and 13, they oh, scored a touchdown, goodness. where that DB was just 
he turned his uh, Gabriel Davis turned his head to the left, and the DB must have thought, oh, he's he's going out towards the he's going out towards the the sidelines because he bit so hard on that, and then Davis just turns it up into uh, up, and then you know the DB just had no chance after that. That flag route over the middle that might be my favorite route in Madden. Yeah. The one where it's like you're going straight up and the receiver makes the one step to the outside and then cuts in, you know, like almost a deep post. Yep. And, boy, did he do that. Just oh. It was incredible. It was some of the – it was the most incredible two-minute stretch uh, of football I've ever seen. Um, So, yeah, you, it's crazy. Yeah, prob- I would say I feel bad for uh, for the Bills and the Bills fans, but I really don't. And that if – you, if you've listened to this show and our post-game shows – that this goes all the way back to week one when when the Bills uh, lost to the Steelers at home in opening weekend. I basically had an had an fu. Uh, you were just done with them. Buffalo from from then on, yep. pretty much. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it sucks. I mean, I don't know what you do with overtime. Do you just play it as a fifth quarter? I don't think the players' association would be very happy about that. Just because they, well, yeah, they no, would, I, they'd I, be guaranteed to have to play at least another ten minutes, well, another five. Yeah, or I mean, you, well, or however. I mean, it's ten in the regular season. I don't know what they would do going postseason. But yeah, over, uh, overtime's ten minutes, uh, so they'd be playing an extra five minutes. Yeah. Oh, oh, you're saying because they play fifteen minutes in yeah postseason? Just put no, okay. no, no. I'm they play a ten minute overtime. I'm saying, would it make sense for them to just play a fifth quarter as the overtime? So play a full 15 minute quarter. I mean, that's okay. And not and not have and not have like golden goal rules. Like if the if the team that went the team that gets the ball first scores a touchdown, they win. Yeah. But if it's still tied at the end of uh, the overtime period, then you have to go to another overtime period. So I don't know. I don't know where you stop it. There's only been one overtime game. In my lifetime, I believe that has gone to double overtime. That was against that was between the Panthers and the Rams in 2003. And as luck would have it, the Panthers actually won it on a walk off touchdown by Steve Smith on the first play of the second overtime. Mm. So it's it's not something that would be super common. Uh, I don't think your proposal would necessarily be well would be poorly received by the owners. I think the players wouldn't like it as much because they'd be worried about getting hurt late in these games. Yeah, it's. After they've already been out there for three or four hours, it's tough. I mean, I I think I think people are so up in arms about the about the overtime because that was such a great game, and Josh Allen and the Bills played so well. So for them to not get the ball in overtime once sucks, sucks. But like you said, this has happened to the Chiefs before, and turnabout. What's the old phrase? Turnabout's fair play. It they they got it back. So you got to think that the football gods. And at another time in Josh Allen's Buffalo Bills career, are going to get the same thing. They paid the price this year, you know. Maybe in a couple years, hell, who knows? It could be against the Chiefs. It could be against the Chiefs next year. Who knows? Could be against the Browns. I hope it's against the Browns, but I hope they don't get that benefit of the doubt. Yeah. But anyway, speaking of, you're probably not going to like where I'm going to go with this, but we're talking about how great Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen were. I feel like that, and, and I overheard this actually in the hallway at my workplace uh, on Monday. Okay. They feel like the, the quarterback bar in the AFC has been risen so high that 
there's no way Baker Mayfield could ever possibly play a game as, as good as that. And that as such, we need to move on from Baker Mayfield. I'm hearing that take a lot over the last 48 hours. Well, here's what I'll say to that. Did Jimmy G not go into Green Bay and beat Aaron Rodgers? Now I now he I get did. I get Aaron Rodgers didn't play. It wasn't because like, of him, but yeah, they he did technically. Right. But also at the same time, um, you know, we lost the game, but and I know Mahomes got hurt, but uh we had we had the ball with a chance to win the game last year in that same On round the of the final playoffs. Drive. Yes. So we can get there. And I understand Mahomes and Allen are that great. Are they that great every game? No. No, not every game. Nobody is. Those two guys would be the, the greatest quarterbacks ever if they were consistently that great. They're both great. They're not that great. I mean, as we've discussed many times, even Tom Brady has bad games. Right, exactly. Tom Brady played a game one time in Cleveland where he just couldn't That's... hit an open receiver, and the Colt McCoy and the Browns just crushed him. The nice throw Tom game. Yep. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's easy to look at like that game in a vacuum and be like, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. Baker can't play that well. I would argue that uh, there's no other quarterback in the NFL that that would have beaten either of those teams on that night. The only reason why Josh Allen lost is because he was playing Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. The only reason why that game went into overtime is because Patrick Mahomes is playing Josh Allen. So ipso facto, you're saying the Bengals are screwed no matter who came out of that game. <sighs> Even if it was Buffalo, like the, the Bengals are not going there and winning either. I do think that I, I do think that the Bengals would have had a better chance if it was against Buffalo. I, they're not going into, they are not going into Arrowhead and winning. I'm, I, they're not doing like, I just. Chiefs have some extra ammunition here too because the the Bengals caught the Chiefs in the second last True. game of the season. That's the only game the Chiefs have lost since October. And <sighs> excuse me, we're recording this episode late, so. I'm yawning. Um, Time check, 10.05. <laughs> we've, we've done shows later than this, just for the record. Uh, and now I lost my train of thought, of course. Nah. Oh, Joe Burrow was quoted as saying that uh, there is no NFL crowd as loud as the crowds in the SEC. In You're, the SEC? Ooh. Well, listen, I understand why he said that, because in the NFL, the stadiums are smaller I mean, in the NFL. I mean, the guys played in, in Death Valley and in, in Baton Rouge. He's played at Brian Denny Stadium in Tuscaloosa. I mean, Here's he's, the he's thing. played at Jordan Hare in Auburn. Here's the thing. He said this the week of him going into the NFL's version of Oracle Arena in Golden State. There's not a single stadium louder than Arrowhead. The only one I could even think of is maybe maybe Seattle possibly. That that's about it. But uh, Arrowhead is already probably the loudest stadium in the NFL. And then you said that? Mm. You don't think they're going to be a little bit extra charged up? It's also the AFC Championship game? That was a total own goal. <laughs> I mean, very I, tone deaf. I yeah. mean, I mean. So we'll see what happens. I They've been in four straight AFC title games. They won the Super Bowl two years ago. They were in the Super Bowl last year. Why? The hell would you give them anything yeah. bulletin board wise? Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. So uh, we will see what happens. Um, so we've got the 
the Bengals and the Chiefs, and then we've got the 49ers and the Rams. Interestingly enough, uh, let's give our predictions real quick. Uh, the Rams have not beaten the 49ers this year, and they've played them twice. 49ers have beaten them both times. And the Bengals have already beaten the Chiefs. So the underdogs in both games are combined 3-0 and against the favorites this year. That's pretty remarkable. That's very interesting. Yeah. That is very interesting. <laughs> that being said, I'm taking the Chiefs and the Rams. I think it's the Chiefs and the Rams in the Super Bowl. I'm I'm definitely all on the Chiefs. I just don't see any way the Bengals can win. The other game really gives me pause. Like the conventional wisdom suggests that the 49ers couldn't possibly keep up with the Rams. Their defense couldn't play another game as good as they did against Green Bay. Right. I mean, I could that one is really tough for me. I mean, I could see San Francisco winning that game. I'm just not bold enough to pick it. I'm 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 gonna go with the Rams narrowly. Yeah, I am too. So that that would set up the Rams and the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, which would be a fantastic Super Bowl. The last time those two teams played each other, well, they were supposed to play at Estadio Azteca in Mexico City, but then there was a flood, so they had to yep. they had to move it back to what, the SoFi. Oh no, to uh, LA Coliseum, I believe. Yeah, because SoFi was wasn't like, built yet. It was like fifty two forty nine or something yeah. like that. Oh man, sign me up for that. Yeah. 20 days from now. Oh, yeah. And it would be the second year in a row after we had never seen it before where uh, the uh, one of the teams would be hosting a Super Bowl. The Tampa, Chief- Tampa Bay did it last year, and the L.A. Rams would be doing it this year. The Chiefs have just got to be Screwed. like FML. How <laughs> in the world are we playing road games in the Super Bowl two years in a row? Yeah. Like, okay, Super Bowl 57, it better be an arrowhead then. Like, this, right. this is ridiculous. Right, right. <laughs> So, all right, so that's that's going to do it. We'll see what happens. Uh, Championship Sunday is this week. Um, crazy to think that we're coming to the close of another NFL season. But speaking of the NFL, uh, we do have to talk about our team here for uh, a couple minutes because apparently everybody wants to replace Baker Mayfield with just about everybody, and I don't understand it. I, and I again, I feel like Sunday threw more fuel on that fire. Unfortunately, well, not not the, not the name that was brought up today because of uh, the fact that uh, the Browns um, essentially assistant GM looks like he's going to get the Minnesota Vikings job. So that is creating a channel to where people are starting to connect the dots that the Browns could trade for Kirk Cousins. I will lose my damn mind. Oh. I will absolutely lose my mind if the Browns trade for Kirk Cousins. What are you improving with Kirk Cousins? Okay, I get it. He he has better stats. The guy's never won anything. He wasn't even quarterback for the Minneapolis Miracle game. No, that's that, only... was, that quarterback is on the Browns roster. Yeah, that's the only game of substance the Vikings have won in the last, I don't know how many years. Kirk Cousins lost to the Browns this year when Baker Mayfield played about his worst game of the season. Yep. He lost to in, the Browns. In their building. The, the Viking ship. And people want to bring him in here and replace Baker Mayfield because you're not bringing Kirk Cousins in here to quote-unquote compete with Baker Mayfield. No. You're trading for Kirk Cousins. He's your quarterback, and Baker Mayfield's gone. He's out. Is that really an upgrade? No. Really? Plus, you're going to have to trade draft capital to get Kirk Cousins. He's not a free agent. And then you're going to have to have to give him a contract. 
This is what I don't understand this about people. exactly what I was talking about with the, the Titans and Ryan Tannehill earlier. And this is exactly what I don't what you just described. People are like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll take Derek Carr. Yeah, uh, so would I if he was free. Derek Carr is going to cost you probably two first-round picks and a five-year, $200 million contract. I'm not giving that to anybody other than, you know, Rodgers, Brady, or, you know, one of those, you know, really top guys, quite frankly. But if you're trading, he's in the last year of his contract. If you trade for Derek Carr, you're giving him what he wants. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm not trading even a first-round pick for Derek Carr and giving him that contract. Because I, while I do think Derek Carr is good and he had a better year than Baker Mayfield did this year, that's not without question. Both guys healthy on a neutral playing field, I don't think are very very much different than each other. We just saw Derek Carr on a breezy, somewhat rainy Monday night uh, in December. I mean, yeah. it's not... A game that the Browns would have won easily, frankly, if they would have had their players. Yeah. You know, he wasn't everybody that says, impressive in that yeah, game. Yeah, I mean, everybody said, oh, he, he let him down on a, uh, a two-minute drill drive for the game-winning field goal. Yeah, against a bunch of guys off the street. Right. And Miles Garrett had pulled his groin in that game and was half of himself. He stayed in the game, but he was half of himself. I mean, credit Derek Carr for letting him down the field and whatever. Yeah, the, the field goal kicker made the, field, made the kick. But... I'm sorry. I'm not giving up that much to go get a guy. Throw Jimmy G into that into that lot as well. Yeah, I mean, these guys are all just interchangeable with Baker, quite frankly. I mean, you can go stat so what's this the, or stat that. But right. Like, what so what's the, what's, the really point, what's the point of giving up that much? Like, I, I don't – you're you're essentially giving – you're giving up significant draft capital on each one of these guys – to essentially just get the same piece in return. Like if you're trading the, that draft capital and you're bringing in those quarterbacks, are you really that much better of a team than uh, with a healthy Baker Mayfield? I don't think so. Mm-mm. Now, like we've said, and we've, we've, we've beat this to death, if Deshaun Watson clears up his legal troubles, would I trade three first-round picks for Deshaun Watson? Hell yes. Oh, really? Oh yeah, if he cleans up his legal trouble and 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 stays clean with everything, yes, I think the Browns are one of the top two Super Bowl favorites in the entire league next year. Oh damn! Okay, when Deshaun Watson's on the field, he's a top five quarterback. It, okay, if you if you assume that you are getting the the Deshaun Watson of old, pre suspension, pre walkout, whatever the heck you call it. I mean, if he comes back and he's that Deshaun Watson, I could probably agree with you. I, I, For me, I got the heebie-jeebies. I'm thinking, like, maybe we've seen the best of him already, even if he mm. does come back. and He's 25. Know. He's he's still – he's still. I, I essentially I, I essentially equate this year of him having a season-ending injury but without having the ramifications of having that season-ending injury because he actually didn't get hurt. Mm. So that's what I'm saying. It's and an I interesting ha- way to look at it. And I have the caveat of – if his legal troubles are cleaned up. Yeah. Because I don't want to, if I'm giving up that, I'm not having that hang over my head. It's just not happening. Yeah, no. Now, and then I would, I would certainly take Russell Wilson. I, I don't think Russell Wilson would cost you three first round picks because number one, him and the Seahawks look to be headed for a divorce and he's a lot older than Deshaun Watson. I'd be much more willing to go after Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson personally. is, is, is 
uh, well into his 30s. So um, I would do that too. And then, I mean, obviously, pie in the sky is Aaron Rodgers. I mean, if he leaves, if he leaves, which I do think he's leaving Green Bay. I do. Probably. I mean, but I think there, but honestly, I think there's a chance he might be going, he might go to the team that he just lost to. 49ers. Well, then that would make sense because he is a California guy, right? Yeah. That's, that was his team play, growing play up. This, play his college ball at Cal Well, Berkeley. you know what's interesting? is probably the two best quarterbacks in the NFL. If they were to, to leave their current team, Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, they're probably going to San Francisco to finish their Tom career. Tom Brady, I don't think he's leaving. I, I don't either. I think there's a greater chance that Brady just retires. I mean, the way he's been talking since that loss against the Rams, even though I have a hard time seeing Brady going out like that with a loss like that in the divisional round, Mm. Um, the way he he's never talked like the way he has uh, after the game. He's talking about uh, you know his family's going to be big in his decision, you know, and he's talking about how he wants to be around like for his wife and his kids. Like basically, he 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 he. he I, I think he feels his body is starting to break down a little bit, and if he takes a couple more hits, he might really injure himself. And I think I think he yeah, might hang that's it up. always the the really tough decision that one of these guys has to confront once they get close to the end of their career. I mean. I'll, you have some guys, you know, all-time greats, guys like Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson, who basically yeah. said, "You know what? I'm I'm not even going to risk it. I'm going to I'm going to go early." You know, yeah. Brady's been on the opposite end of the spectrum. Seems like he's been playing forever, but you know, even he's got to confront that reality at some point. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, we'll see. But as far as the Browns go, I've said I've been saying it um, for the last month, really, for, with, with the post-game shows, and then last week and this week. If you're going to move on from Baker Mayfield, it has to be a significant upgrade because you're going any way you look at it, you're going to be giving up significant capital to bring somebody in. So, like I said, I don't think it's going to be one of these guys, but Wilson, Watson, and then obviously the the kingpin will be Rodgers, but he's not coming to Cleveland. No. I don't think the other two guys are coming to Cleveland either. Watson has a no-trade clause. He's not coming to Cleveland. But anyway, um, yeah, so that's where we are. That's where we stand. Uh, as we get closer to combine time, we'll get more into the draft, but um, kind of let that lay for now. Um, we're just going to focus on the uh, the NFL playoffs, and then, you know, obviously if something happens, then we'll talk about it. But In the meantime, we've got another team of interest to follow. That we do. That we come on, Cavs. Gotta make make it happen. happen. Come Come on, Cavs. With your fast break action. Gotta make it happen. (laughs) The Cleveland Cavaliers are 10 games above 500. They are 29 and 19. They dispatch of the New York Knickerbockers last night at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, 95 to 93. Another game where the Cavs just did not look well, did not play well, but. They found a way to win. They gutted it out. They grinded it out. Now, now last night, uh, they were obviously – Lori Markkinen got hurt in the Oklahoma City game uh, over the weekend. But they were also without uh, uh, Jared Allen, who was out with a non-COVID-related illness. So they were very shorthanded uh, in the front court. And uh, that old silver fox, Kevin Love, came to the rescue yesterday, scored – 21 points in, I believe, 20 minutes of play. Hit six threes. There was a uh, <laughs> there was a uh, a point in the third quarter where the Cavs and the Knicks were kind of floundering. They were, you know, Knicks up one, tie game, Cavs up one, you know, back and forth, back and forth. And then uh, 
uh, Kevin Love went swish, swish, swish on threes, and the Cavs all of a sudden were up by like 12. Mm-hmm. Now the Cavs ended up kind of giving that lead almost all the way back in the fourth quarter, but they were able to hold on. Darius Garland hit a enor- – Darius Garland, who did not shoot the ball well at all, I think he was 6 of 20 shooting in the game, hit an enormous corner three right in front of the Knicks bench uh, with about a minute to go to put the Cavs up three. Um, one of the worrying signs about the Cavs is not just the injuries for me. It's the fact that all of a sudden, and this is probably over the, like the last 10 games, so this isn't like a two-game stretch. They can't hit free throws. It's the most annoying thing in basketball. Cannot hit free throws. They would have won that game. They would down the stretch. They would have won that game by eight points if they just made their free throws. Yeah, it wouldn't have been nearly as dramatic. Yeah, Evan Mobley missed three out of four. He had four free throws in the final two minutes. He missed three of them. Um, yeah, they just they're struggling with free throws. But you know, like I said, they're they're very much decimated by injuries, especially in this game. I mentioned Markinen, Jared Allen. Uh, we all know Colin Sexton out for the year. Ricky Rubio out for the year. I mean, that's that's four of your main guys in that your rotation. Hurts. That really hurts. Yeah. And you're really you're really thin in the backcourt when you're missing, you know, basically yeah. your two, what you thought were going to be your two primary ball handlers pretty much. And you've you traded for Rajon Rondo, which I thought was a I mean, you didn't give up anything for him, so it's no risk. Yeah. But he's missed 5 out of the 8 games he's been on the Cavs with a hamstring pull. Just came back the uh the other day. So, um yeah, but I mean, somehow, some way, they're grinding out these wins, and the sign, uh, it's so much fun. The sign of expectations changing and the sign of a team being good, it both, is that they're winning games, and yet after the game, you're saying to yourself, you know what, they really didn't play that well. And it, and don't take it from us, take it from Coach Bickerstaff. He basically took the team to task after the Oklahoma City game, basically yeah. said that they played like they played like poop, and that that just can't. I mean, really, you know, he. I think he even mentioned like twenty five or twenty six of the other teams in the league probably would have beat them on Saturday night. Yeah. It's just that Oklahoma City is just that bad, you know, and is not that much of a tailspin. They've lost eleven to twelve, right? You know, so maybe you can get away with it not enough. But I think it does say a lot that Cavaliers, even on the nights where they just don't seem to have it, they're still able to put up wins in the win column. You yeah, know, that's. That's something we haven't had in a really, really long time on the hardwood. Yeah. And it's it's fantastic. It's great. It's honestly. fantastic. And I, I'm very interested to see what the cat what uh Kobe Altman's gonna do. Trade deadline's coming up in a couple weeks. Um to see if he further improves uh further improves the squad. I think I think we need a uh a, a three and D swingman type player. Um I would like We've needed that for about five years now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We've needed that since LeBron left. Um but you got guys out there. I think Gary Harrison, Orlando would be a really good pickup. Uh, Karis Levert would be the best of the bunch, uh, but I don't know if the Cavs can pull that off with the assets that they have. And you know, there's a few other names out there that you know wouldn't be real splash names, but um, can certainly help. So we'll see what Kobe Altman does. I definitely think the team is going to be in a in a buy mode, obviously, rather than a sell. I mean, they're legitimately in the playoffs. Uh, as of now, so, and uh, the bottom line is, is that the Eastern Conference is up for grabs, big yeah. time. You, yeah. you look at it and and okay, the blue blood teams that you think are supposed to be there have a tendency to really rise up come playoff time, but as it stands right now, you've got Miami, Chicago, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Cleveland, 
and Philadelphia, in that order, the top six, they're all within two games of each other. Mm -hmm. If any one of those six teams goes on a really hot run from they're getting the number in, one seed. They could get the number one seed. Yeah. Or you know, if you end up with the one or two seed, you know, for for a team like this who hasn't been in the playoffs for four years, that's a big deal. If yeah, you're playing that first deal. playoff game, at, like the difference between being seeded fourth and fifth, massive. Mm -hmm. You play that first playoff game at home, mm -hmm. you know, and you know, potential game seven situation even more important. I mean. Game seven in the, in the NBA used to be a lock for home teams. It's only been within the last few years that the road teams have started to win game seven. Yeah. But like, you know, I, I don't know if that's a, a sign of a new trend well, or if that's, you know, just a blip on the radar screen. But Well, you know. last year in 2020, uh, you pretty much Oh, you throw can throw out. that out the window because there are no fans. 2020 for sure, they played in a bubble. There was no home court. There right. was no home court advantage. But, and, right. and last year, it was very reduced uh, attendance for games. All right. so. so you would expect a reversion to the mean with regard to that you would think so yeah um so yeah we'll see what happens uh, and then uh as we all know the all-star game is in cleveland uh in a few weeks i think jared allen's going to be an all-star i think darius garland deserves to be an all-star but i don't think he's Probably going won't i don't think he's going to make it because the log jam of guards in the, in the eastern conference is just going to be too much to overcome i do think jared allen's going to make the all-star team they better not put Trey Young in front of him or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. This crappy a year as Atlanta's had. I think I think Evan Mobley uh, is going to play in the uh, rookies versus sophomores. Oh, no. Yeah, is that? Yeah. So they actually revised the format of that. It, this is going to be a tournament. There's going to be three seven-player teams, hmm. and they're going to play a tournament. Uh, Round robin. Yeah. Okay. I don't know how that works because they're going to play a tournament in a day. Because that 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 unless they play it Friday and Saturday, they could do that. But um, but yeah, so I, I would expect to see Evan Mobley in that. Um, and then I gotta say, I really hope we see Kevin Love in the three point. Uh, I was just gonna say competition. That. The guy is shooting right lights out, and it's in Cleveland. Uh, he's gotta he's be gotta in be him. in it. He's shooting. Period. He's shooting forty plus per, uh, forty plus percent from three, and it's in his home gym. He's got to be in it. And then who knows who's going to be in the dunk contest. I can tell you for sure Kevin Love's not going to be in that. <laughs> what are you going to do Kevin Love like that? Sorry. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we shall see. So it's going to be exciting. Exciting times for basketball in Cleveland. You know, I, I, I talked about it on the podcast last week. This is legitimately the first time in 25 years that – We've been excited about this basketball team that LeBron has not been on. That's correct. And, and 25 years ago was actually the last time that made the playoffs. Uh, Cleveland, well, made the playoffs pre-LeBron. It was also the last time we hosted the All-Star Game in 1997. And the stars it, it, are was, it was a very similar type of situation. The team went 47-35 and 35 this uh, that season. That was the Z, Sean Kemp, Wes Person, Terrell Brandon mm -hmm. team. Yeah, Terrell Brandon was on the All-Star team that year. Yeah. Um, Steve Kerr actually won the three-point shooting contest that night. Yeah, oddly enough, I was ten. Yeah, I remember going to the. Uh, I remember going to the jam sessions uh, that weekend. That is one of the coolest. Thing. And you know what? We we had play ball park for the MLB a, a couple of years ago. I, to me, the jam session for the NBA is even better. Oh I, yeah, it's, it's so interactive. It's just awesome. I don't even. I don't think they do that anymore. Do they? They, they gotta do well, I'm sure. I'm sure they're doing something. But. I mean, now, okay, COVID may have may have thrown that all off. Yeah. I, I I don't I don't know about that, but 
No, shame on the NBA if they don't have an event like that. I'm sure they do. But but anyway, yeah, Cavs 29 and 19. They are looking great. Um, so I need to get out to a game. I haven't been to a game yet this year. I definitely need to. So we'll see. Well, Hopefully sorry, soon. you don't have an in anymore. <laughs> yeah, I know. Mary I know. Beth retired in November. <laughs> MB hung hung him up. <laughs> uh, that's okay. I, I I went to my share of Cavs games because of her. So <laughs> so that's okay. Um, Figure she walks out the door and the team you, starts winning almost immediately yeah, after what she the gets hell? out the door. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> yeah. So. All right. So uh, I think that's pretty much going to do it for us tonight. Uh, Steve, I appreciate you being here. Oh, this this was this was so fun. We'll see we'll yeah, see where I, this I, you know, we're we're gonna have some fun the next few weeks, guys. Yeah. We'll, we'll see we'll see where this goes uh moving forward. But uh everything's still in flux, just trying to figure out everything uh once again with the show and guests lined up and all that stuff. So um keep your eyes peeled on social media at the L O T L podcast and um uh yeah, should be some fun. It's gonna be about zero tonight. Oh, Stay great. warm, folks. Yeah. Single well, digits for all. Like I said, burr. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, follow us on social media. And, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Um, we will uh, catch you guys next week. See ya. Bye. Bye.